We shall turn to Paul's epistle to the Galatians, chapter 3, verse 29, the last verse of that chapter, and if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Last week I began this series of messages on Abraham. And I announced my plans to continue this study from the scriptures of our father Abraham for uh, a good many Sundays. We did preach on Moses two years ago, last year on Jacob. And of all the patriarchs, Abraham stands first. And in my approach to this body of truth which God has given us, I have felt that it would be wise to first look at what the New Testament has to say about Abraham. Because the New Testament gives to us who are in the New Testament a great many of the details and more of the substance of what Abraham himself actually saw but we, which we cannot always just see by reading the account of Abraham alone. We are in the New Testament. We are not in the days of Abraham. And the significance of Abraham to us has been spelled out for us in the New Testament. That doesn't mean that there's any difference so far as the faith is concerned. There is none. But our understanding, our comprehension, our discernment, is so much keener. Now I began last Lord's Day in the first message by looking to what our Savior had to say about Abraham. And the outstanding passage is, of course, the eighth chapter of John, which we expounded. And here our Savior comes into a clash and a confrontation with the religious leaders about him, the leaders of the Sanhedrin, the Pharisees. And in doing so, he proceeded to tell them that they were not the children of Abraham. They didn't do the works of Abraham. They didn't even have Abraham's God. And they turned around and said he had a devil. And he ended up by telling them that they were of their father, the devil. And it was as sharp a clash as you could find between our Savior and the forces of darkness. But our Savior insisted that Abraham rejoiced to see his day, and he saw it. Abraham rejoiced in the birth of the seed of the woman, his own seed, and he was glad. And Jesus Christ pointed out that Abraham believed in him, that Abraham found in him the promise. And then our Savior proceeded as he discusses Abraham and defends him and honors him in this way, to say that before Abraham was, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. I'm the God of Abraham. I'm the God of Isaac. I'm the God of Jacob. Now this first message, dealing with the attitude of 
Jesus Christ toward Abraham is one that we'll have before us as we move down through these passages and as we unfold this life and this testimony of Abraham. Today, we are going to turn to another great New Testament section in which we find the Apostle Paul appealing to Abraham. And we want to see just how the Apostle Paul looked at Abraham, and it is significant in these passages, Romans the fourth chapter and Galatians the third chapter especially, that Paul brings Abraham up immediately when he gets into a discussion of the law and what the law can't do for us and what the law is. And he uses Abraham as the prime example and exhibit of this matter of justification by faith. Now, for instance, in the epistle to the Romans, this great epistle in which the apostle condemns us all, the whole world is condemned and every mouth is stopped before God, and we have this dismal and dark picture of a depraved humanity. It's all in these first two chapters of Romans. And Paul then begins to argue again about the law and the Jews and how they're going to be under that law and how they are under that law. And then he proceeds to discuss that the salvation which the Lord has given us is of grace and it's outside the law. It's not of law. If it were, it would be of works. But now it's of grace and therefore it has to be of faith. And when he comes to discuss this matter of faith, he spends the entire fourth chapter of Romans before he gets into these other great things in Romans just explaining to us Abraham. Just explaining to us Abraham. And it's in this chapter that he emphasizes that Abraham is our father. And he's your father and my father. And next Lord's Day, the Lord willing, I will expound this fourth chapter of Romans to us so that we can see the shades and see the argument that runs through this great passage. But what I want to point out to you is that when the Apostle Paul comes to discussing this matter of faith, his first exhibit is Abraham. When he comes to talk about this matter of our being justified in the sight of God and coming out from under the curse of the law, his first example is Abraham. Consequently, if we're going to get into the life and the testimony of Abraham as we are and tell all these stories about how he lied about his wife when he took her to Egypt and about how he carried his son up to Mount Moriah and sacrificed him, was willing to sacrifice him, if we're going to get into his troubles with Lot and the difficulties with Abimelech, if we're going to get into all these things, what we have here in Galatians and what we have here in Romans at this particular juncture needs to stand up here right at the top, just like Jesus Christ stands above it all and tells us about Abraham. Beloved, in this fourth chapter of Romans, Abraham is said to be our father five different times. And all you need to do is to run down through it. If you'll notice, please, in verse 1, what shall we then say that Abraham our father as pertaining to the flesh? Abraham our father. You turn to the 11th verse of this fourth chapter of Romans, and we're told here he received the sign of circumcision, that is Abraham did, 
a seal of the righteousness of faith, which he had yet being uncircumcised, that he might be the father of all them that believe, though they be not circumcised. Paul is saying Abraham was saved and he had faith given to him before he was circumcised. Faith came before circumcision in Abraham's experience and the Lord is telling us that therefore, since circumcision had nothing to do with the faith, then the Gentiles who've never been circumcised, they can have the faith, and the just shall live by faith. And Abraham's our father. And then in the 12th verse, the father of circumcision to them who are not of the circumcision only, but who also walk in the steps of that faith of our father Abraham, the steps of our father Abraham and beloved you and I right here today should be walking in the steps of our father Abraham. And then you move down to the 16th verse where you have it again, where we're told that Abraham is the father of us all. And then in verse 18, who against hope believed in hope that he might become the father of many nations according to that which was so spoken, so shall thy seed be. And next Lord's Day, we shall take this uh, fourth chapter of Romans and spend our entire time in developing the line that the apostle uses there as the very foundation of the book of Romans. Now when we turn over to the epistle to the Galatians, what do we find? The same thing the same identical situation. The apostle is telling these Gentiles over in Galatia that they are awfully foolish. Oh, foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that you should not obey the truth? He said, I came in there and I preached the gospel to you and you were believers and you saw that this gospel delivered you from the curse of the law. This gospel freed you from the bondage of that law. This gospel had taken you out from under all these old burdens and you were free. Oh, foolish Galatians, I did preach it unto you. You did receive it. And that after I had left and gone away, in came this crowd of Judaizers and they told you that if you wanted to be saved, you should get circumcised first. And if you wanted to get into this area, you would need to have to do this and do that. And Paul says, you are being deceived. And what does he do? He brings in Abraham. He brings in Abraham. Why, he says, Abraham, our father? Why, he wasn't circumcised until after he was a believer. And belief was all that Abraham had, and belief was all that God wanted to see in Abraham. And when Paul gets into these great cases where the law is involved, and we're tied into the Old Testament, and we're dealing with the law, he always brings up Abraham. He doesn't need anybody else but Abraham. That's all he needs. He just brings in Abraham. And he says, if you'll understand Abraham, if you'll understand the promises that God gave to Abraham, 
If you'll understand how Abraham became the father of many nations, if you'll understand how you are a child of Abraham, you'll never go wrong. You'll never get mixed up on this matter of being saved and coming to the Father. You'll never, never be confused concerning the gospel of Jesus Christ and how that gospel saves you and frees you. Now in this third chapter of Galatians, if you'll turn with it or to it, the apostle concludes by saying, And if ye be Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. You can come by Abraham's faith to Christ, but once you get the faith that you have in Christ, then that takes you back to Abraham. You must have what Abraham had. Now turn, if you will, please, to the third chapter. And in the sixth verse we read, Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted unto him for righteousness. Know ye therefore that they which are of faith the same are the children of Abraham. Now I'm of faith, you're of faith, we're all of faith. And on the basis of that seventh verse, we are the children of Abraham today. And the scripture foreseeing, the Bible, foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What God told Abraham had in it a blessing, not just for Abraham's family, not just for the Jews, What God told Abraham had in it a blessing for all the nations. And out of all these nations, God told Abraham that in the fullness of his time, there would be a great company of faith. Now, beloved, this is where we come in. We're Gentiles. We belong to the heathen. We belong to the group that's being discussed here in Galatians. And the apostle wants us to have this matter so clear, beloved, if there's one thing that you need to have straight and clear so far as your Christian faith is concerned, it is that you are saved by grace and through faith alone. That is the one thing we must see, that every single individual must understand it. And if you understand that, you will never, never be led astray and you'll never go back in under bondage. You'll never move over again under some legal territory or begin to think that the law has anything to do with your redemption. You will see that it is by faith and by faith alone. Now, I want you to see In this third chapter, 
that the apostle puts his finger at the very heart of this thing in rather short order. When we speak of Abraham's seed, it means two things. But it means one thing before it can mean the second thing. And if you'll turn to the 16th verse. Now to Abraham and his seed, that is his descendants, were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one. And to thy seed, which is Christ. The apostle is saying that when the Lord made his promise to Abraham, Abraham understood. That though God talked about his descendants like the stars of the heavens, that everything was dependent upon just one, just one, that would come through him, just one. Seed, which is singular. Now, this promise is given to Abraham, but I want you to turn with me, please, back to Genesis 22, verse 18. And in this 22nd chapter, we have the account of Abraham offering up his son, his only son Isaac. And we shall spend an entire sermon on this later on this fall. But after Abraham does offer up his son, and God delivers him, God then turned to Abraham and made this great promise. And beginning with verse 17, I read, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven, and as the sand which is upon the shore, the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Now as of that point, God is telling Abraham that his seed, there'll be descendants, there'll be offspring, as numerous as the stars that are up in the skies and as the sand which is upon the seashore. My, 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 you can't imagine. But he says, that's the way it's going to be, Abraham. And thy seed shall possess the gates of his enemies. And, now verse 18, in thy seed, and here we have the reference in Galatians, shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice. Now, beloved, the first reference to seed in verse 17 is innumerable. The second reference to seed in verse 18 is singular, just one. And what Paul is telling us and what our Savior told us, as we saw last week, he rejoiced to see my day. Abraham saw in that seed the Redeemer. The only Redeemer. 
And Abraham believed that this one person, this one who would be sent by God to deal with sin, would be the promise, would be the gospel. Now, I think at this point we might uh, call to your attention a very significant and a very interesting thing in regard to these two passages. Here in Galatians, we're told that God preached unto Abraham the gospel. Preached before the gospel unto Abraham. Paul calls it the gospel. But when you get over into where Abraham lived and where Abraham was, it was not called the gospel. It was always called the promise or the seed. Now, when you look at the difference, the Old Testament was promise, promise, promise. The New Testament's gospel, gospel, gospel. We don't use the word promise. Oh, I do when I expound Abraham like I do now. But we're preaching the gospel. And this is the difference. Now, just look. Right here in the center is the cross and is Christ. 2,000 years ago, he came and he lived and was born of a virgin. He was sinless. He wrought his miracles. He was raised from the dead. He died on the cross. And here it is. But, beloved, in relationship to that cross, Abraham was off down there 2,000 years away. It was 2,000 years before Christ ever came to this earth that God promised him that there would be a seed and that that seed would be the Redeemer. So Abraham had a promise, and he preached a promise. He believed a promise. That's all he had to tell anybody was a promise. And that promise looked forward to an event which would take place 2,000 years hence. But you and I here in Collingswood today with the same Bible and the same great promise before us, we are 2,000 years beyond the death of Christ. And to us it is not a promise. It is news. It took place. It's good news. And consequently, for 2,000 years they lived by promise until the coming of the promised seed. And we for 2,000 years have been calling it the gospel and the church has been preaching the gospel for 2,000 years telling everybody that it took place. You know, I'm thankful that I'm on this side of the cross where it's good news rather than on the other side of the cross where it was just a promise. I'm thankful that's where you and I are today. But, beloved, the point that is being made here is that the promise was the gospel, and the promise was of faith, and the promise concerned only Christ. And the point that you and I make today is that the message which we have received is the message which God has provided for us. And we are therefore saved by faith and by faith alone. And that's what Abraham did. And we are one with Abraham. We're united with Abraham. We're the children of Abraham. We're Abraham's seed. And, well, if you want to consider yourself one of these stars, that's what you'll turn out to be as numerous as the stars in the heavens. Or if you want to consider yourself to be a little grain of sand on the seashore, just look at them if you please. 
This seed will be just as numerous as the sand on the seashore. I am a grain of sand that belongs to the promise that God gave Abraham. You're a twinkling star that belongs to the promise that God gave to Abraham. Those who believe, those who will be saved by faith, it will be an innumerable company. Oh, what a great, gracious God we have to save so many and to lift us up out of sin and to give us a justification because of the death and the sacrifice and the atoning work of Jesus Christ. So, beloved, verse 16, Now to Abraham and his seed were the promises made. He saith not unto seeds as of many, but as of one and to thy seed, which is Christ. Which is Christ. Now, Abraham was saved by this faith, by this promise. And Paul then proceeds to argue that since he was saved by promise, he wasn't saved by law. And we move into this great realm where the Gentiles live and where everybody lives and where everybody can say, well, I've lived a good life, I'll be all right. My friend, it makes no difference how good of life you may have lived or how good you, may, you think you may be so far as your righteousness or your keeping of God's commandments are concerned. You are lost if you think that by keeping some law or doing some good that you can be accepted by God. It is impossible. And that is the argument that the apostle is making here in this third chapter of Galatians. Now, will you notice, please, in verse 8, and the scriptures foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then, they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. But those that are not of faith, those who don't have the faith, they have nothing to do with Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. Any who think that they can accomplish an acceptance by God, by the works of the law, must wake up to a realization that they are under the curse of that law. For it is written, Cursed is every one, this is verse 10, that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. Paul says, I'm going to tell you how God justified Abraham. And I'm going to tell you what the scripture says about a man being justified from his wicked deeds and from the sin in which he has been found. I want you to understand that it is evident from everything that God has revealed to us that the just shall live by faith. 
the just shall have their life on the basis of what they believe, not on the basis of what they do. Now we continue this great argument. And beloved, do you see how important Abraham is? I told you that Paul brings in Abraham. Every time Paul gets in an argument in Romans or in Galatians to get into this question of the law, he just brings in Abraham. Look at Abraham. Look what God did to Abraham. And if you will understand Abraham, if you have the faith of Abraham, if you see the difference between Abraham and his loyalty to this faith and the ungodly heathen who look to their works and to all their deeds, you'll be a child of Abraham. And you must be a child of Abraham. There's no other parentage for us but children of faith. And Abraham's the father of the faithful. Now watch this argument. And the law is not of faith. This is verse 12. He's just arguing with us. The law is not of faith. But the man that doeth them shall live in them. Beloved, if a man thinks that he can be saved by keeping the law, he is mistaken. He's deluded. This past week, I flew down to Baltimore to have a funeral service for this man, Mr. Hamilton. Mrs. Hamilton had taken care of our books, our gift shops down at the Christian Admiral these years, never charged us a penny. They'd had a most successful a gift shop in Baltimore through the years. And when he passed away, I went home the other night, midnight, I got home, and Ms. McIntyre says, there's a call from Baltimore. Very important you call. She says, oh, Dr. McIntyre, could you possibly come down and preach this service? She said, I said, well, I, I don't know. She said, well, could have it Saturday. And I said, no, I have a wedding Saturday. And she said, well, how about Friday? And I said, well, I have a college convocation Friday night. But she said, couldn't you fly down? And when she said that to me, I said, yes, I fit this in. And so I went down. And you know, beloved, if there's one thing that your pastor loves to do is to conduct a funeral. I don't misunderstand you at all. I just thank God that when I get in a funeral service, I've got something. And we have the answer, and we have the comfort. And I went into that service, and here was this great crowd of people and folks that came. Some of the important people of Baltimore were there. And I stood up there, and I won't tell you, I preached this gospel. Our hope after death, our being justified, our knowledge of what it all is. To be absent is to be present. To die is to gain. It's far better to go to be with Christ. Oh, how beautiful it is to have it. We went out to the cemetery. After it was over, the people stood around and stood around. And you know, beloved, we've had the most beautiful weather the last few days I think we've ever had. Spotless, clear sky. Just like, in fact, I sort of woke up and thought I was living in the millennium. It's going to be like this in the millennium. This is the way it's kind of weather we're going to have when the Lord comes and sets everything straight. And we were out there. And this dear Mrs. Hamilton came and talked to me, and she says, Oh, Dr. McIntyre, it was worth having you coming down just for that one person. Just See that lady going over there? 
She's been a friend of our family, but she's never believed in God, and she's always told me, I'll make it all right. She says, I'm good enough. But she says she was shaken this afternoon. She was shaken this afternoon. Oh, beloved, you people who think I don't believe in God, I'll be good enough, I'll get along all right. Something needs to shake you. Something needs to bring you to the place where you listen to this Bible and listen to this clear line presenting as Paul does that it's the faith that Abraham had that you have to have exactly the same faith. The same in substance, the same in content, the same in power. A faith which is a gift of God to you. And if you have that faith, you will put no confidence in the flesh and no confidence in the law. Now let's go a little further. Christ hath redeemed us. Verse 13, Christ hath redeemed us. From the curse of the law. Now listen to this. Being made a curse for us. Here we're under this law and here we're under this curse and here we kind of get out from under this bondage and here's Abraham's glorious faith that God gives. And then he says, now wait a minute, wait a minute. God gave you that faith because you believe that Christ came into the picture and he came in down here and he kept that law. He was sinless. He came in down here and he was made a curse for us. He was cursed for me. My sin he bore on the tree. This is what he did. For it is written, cursed is everyone that hangeth on the tree that the blessings of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And beloved, we must go out and preach that promise. We must go out and preach that gospel so that men will believe that Christ was made a curse for them, that Christ was their substitute upon that cross. And if they'll believe it, then they'll become the children of God and the children of Abraham. Beloved, once you see this line of thought as it relates to Abraham, you'll never be interested in a purgatory. You'll never be interested in paying any form of penance. You'll never be interested in anything except standing up and saying, I'm free, I'm justified, I'm saved, and I shall magnify the name of my God as long as I live. And we shall go out and preach this gospel that salvation is by grace and through faith. Now verse 15. Brethren, I speak after the manner of a man. Though it be but a man's covenant, Yet if it be confirmed, no man disannulleth or addeth thereto. You make a contract, and that contract is signed and sealed. You don't add to it, you don't take from it, it stands. And Paul is arguing here that God made a promise to Abraham. He made a promise, and furthermore, that promise has been sealed. That promise has been sealed by the blood of Christ. 
And beloved, it will never be changed. No one will ever add to that promise. No one will ever take away from that promise. God made a promise to Abraham. And God sealed that promise. And God gave Abraham a sign of that promise, which was circumcision. And Abraham was circumcised after he believed. And the argument of Paul is that when you make a contract right now for something, you want to buy a house or sell a house or buy a radio station or sell a radio station, the terms are written down, we bring our lawyers in and they write out everything. Is that to you agree to? Yes. Is that agreed to you? Yes. Okay, we'll sign. We get witnesses to it. It's all signed and that's it. And you don't add to it. And the courts of this country will protect you in that contract. And that's right. That's the way it should be. But, beloved, the Paul is saying our God has made a contract. And his contract is spelled out. And the contract is that his only begotten son would pay the penalty for your sins. And you don't add to that. You don't take away from it. You don't say that it's a mess. You don't say that it's an allegory. You don't say that it belongs to the present situation or the existential situation. No, it belongs to a covenant. It belongs to an everlasting God who has told us down here in this world of sin that if we would trust him like Abraham did, if we'd believe in the seed of Abraham which would come and be the sacrifice and bear the curse, if we'd believe in that, we would be justified. Beloved, this makes Protestants, this makes Christians, this makes free men, this makes great souls which know that no longer under the curse, no longer under the law, no longer does it have any claim upon us. Every single demand that infinite justice had against sin, had against disobedience, had against the corruption of your heart, everything that's brought you down to dust, Jesus took care of once and for all. It's been finished. And there's nothing left for us to do but to believe it. And believing it, you're justified and a child of God. After you've listened to a message like this, beloved, you ought to go out of this room like a bird and just fly away in the liberty and the freedom that God's given to yourself. That's what it means to be a child of Abraham. All right, let's take the argument a little further. Now to Abraham, we just touched that. And this I say that the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years after, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Paul says, now Abraham lived before Moses and all that God gave to Moses, that law, everything, the Ten Commandments, everything, that doesn't disannul the promise. Promise was before all that. Promise came before he ever got into this matter of giving the law. And then Paul asked the question then, what then serveth the law? Why did God give the law? 
It was added because of transgressions till the seed should come to whom the promise was made, and it was ordained by angels in the hand of a mediator. Is the law therefore against the promise? God forbid. For if there had been a law given which could have given life, verily righteousness should have been by the law. Beloved, if there had been a law, if there's been any way that law could have done it, Paul is saying God would have saved you by a law and spared his son. But there is no law that can deliver a sinner. Can't be done. Only the blood of Christ can atone and wash away your sins. Now it's time to stop. I would like to go on a little more with this, but we're going to have several months of this, beloved. But I want you to see that as we open up Abraham and we see how he fits into the great New Testament picture, that Paul brings him in in all these great places as his number one exhibit for us to understand. My friend, do you have the faith of Abraham? Do you believe that Christ Jesus was the one seed that God gave Abraham? And as a result of that, Christ, we're saved. As a result of that, Christ, we become like the stars of the sky and the sand by the sea. In the promises made to Abraham. Well I do. What are the centuries? What are the centuries? What are the years? Nothing. 2,000 years before? Yes it was promised. 2,000 years after? Yes it's the gospel. We therefore believe it. And I want you to believe it with all your heart. That Christ died for your sins. Believe it and be justified. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank thee for the new found liberty which we have. Every time we preach it, every time we feel it, every time we sing it, we thank thee that we are the children of Abraham. Bless us now for Christ's sake. Amen. Amen. Yeah.